Welcome to the podcast from Church of the Nazarene. Please subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. And you can also search for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We also invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 on our YouTube channel or Facebook Live. You can also join us in person at 9 or 1030 for our English services or 1145 for our Spanish service. We also invite you to join Celebrate Recovery every Monday night at 630. Thanks for listening. Is God fast enough for you? Is God fast enough for you? I am not a patient person. My family's not here, or they would say, amen, amen, right? I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I've gotten myself into some trouble, actually, uh, because most of the time, I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry always in my life. I'm not patient. Typically, it goes something like this. Uh, I'm, I'm buzzing around the house. I've got things to do. I've got somewhere to go. I, and and I'm, I'm picking up multiple things because I need to bring this with me. And, oh, maybe I could drop this off while I'm doing this. And don't forget to take out the garbage while I'm going. And so I've got so many things in my hand. And then I get down to the car and realize I, I don't have my wallet. Okay, so I go back in the house and I look at the two or three places that I normally put my wallet. I don't know why there's only one place I should probably put it. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Look at that. It's not there. I go back to the car. Maybe it's under the seat. Maybe it fell. Maybe it's not there. I go back into the house. And at this point, Lauren's trying to help me. Man, she has to be patient with me because I can't find where my wallet is. And normally, I find it in some obscure place, like on top of the toilet. Not in the toilet. On top of the toilet. Uh, in a chair randomly in the living room on the top of the stairs. And why? Why did this happen? It's not once. I tell you, this is multiple times this has happened to me. Why does that happen? Because I'm trying to do too many things at once. I'm in a hurry to get it all done. I don't want to wait. I don't want to take it slow. I want to get things done. Moving slow is for inefficient people. Amen? Right? That's how I feel. And that's not me. I want to get it all done. I'd like to say I'd learned from this, but I haven't. I one time, one time I washed my cell phone, like through a complete cycle, 40 minutes in the washing machine before even realizing where it was or what I'd done. Why? Because I was just moving too fast and I didn't want to slow down. Once I left my debit card, like at the gas, like on top of the gas pump at the gas station, like here, take my money, you can have it. Why did I do that? Too many things. I was on the phone, I was returning a call, I was on the way taking somewhere, trying to get gas, left my debit card right there on top of the gas pump, just for the whole world to have, right? right? I, I don't like to do slow. I like fast. I like efficient. I like to get all the things done all at once. How, how about you? <laughs> how about you? Uh, these words from James chapter 5 that we're going to be in today are like a kick in the gut for me. They offer an important challenge for anyone, but especially today, if you find yourself in a season of waiting, maybe against your will, <laughs> against your nature, but a time of, of waiting. I think these words are, are, are really good for you. Normally, I'd invite you to stand, but today I'm not, I'm not going to, not that I don't like when you stand, but we're going to unpack this scripture from James 5 a little bit differently today. I'm going to stop and go a little bit through it, so please just relax and have a seat uh, right where you're at, but open the word, if you would, to James 5. Uh, we're going to be in verse 7. We've been, I think we're in 20 weeks now through the book of James, and we've gotten all the way to chapter 5, verse 7. Uh, I'll have the words on the screen, but I love it when we open a copy of scripture or 
your YouVersion Bible app. That's a great place where you can find an event set up there that we've set up for you uh, to dive in uh, with some notes. So starting with verse 7, James chapter 5, this is the word of the Lord for us today. It says this, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Be patient then. Maybe you're like me, maybe you're not like me, but if you're like me at all, I I would underline these, I would circle them. I would do something in your Bible to remember this is a command that James is giving and it matters and it's important. And if if you're like me, you're like, ooh, I need to receive these words. Be patient then. These words, these words that then, some versions say therefore, remind us that these words are, are directly connected to the words that preceded it. So last week, if you weren't here, we, we took on the first six verses of James 5, and those six verses were, were kind of a warning to, to those outside of the church. There were some, some behaviors and things happening to those outside of the church, specifically with their wealth, things that they were doing, the way that they were taking advantage of others, that the wealthy were neglecting others, they were mistreating others, and we learned it's not wrong to have stuff, but it's wrong when our stuff has us, and that was the heartbeat behind it, and these words are directly connected to that because more than likely the believers that James is writing to were being mistreated. They were experiencing injustice. They were not being compensated for the work that they were doing. Many of them had, had many of the things taken from them. They had no wealth. They were poor. And they, they were probably thinking the words that your kids have uttered at least a hundred times in your home. It's not fair. That's probably what they were saying to the Lord, right? It's not fair. And what is the message then that James gives to these believers that are experiencing injustice? Be patient. Be patient. Remember, they were being faithful. They were trusting God. They were doing all the right things. And the message is not get even or get revenge. The message is be patient. That word there in the Greek, the original language in which these words were written, it means long suffering, literally to suffer long, to suffer a long time. Don't lose heart. That's what the words are saying here. And if there were ever words we needed to hear today in 2022, it's those words, be patient, isn't it? Isn't it? Collectively in our world today, I'm I'm guilty, right? But collectively, we're guilty, aren't we? We're not very patient. We we speed date. (laughs) Think about that, right? We speed date. Let's get this moving along. We eat fast food, We use the self-checkout line in the grocery store. We pay extra for overnight shipping. I don't want two-day shipping. I need it tomorrow, right? I've mentioned how moving fast too fast gets me in trouble, but don't even get me started on how impatient I am with others, with others, right? Uh, whenever, I, I, I have, whenever I can't do self-checkout and I have to pick a line in the store, trust me, I always pick the longest line. I always do. I think there's people that watch me and they're like, oh, he picked that line. We're not going there. Because whatever line I'm in, I promise you it will be the slowest. I promise you something will have, the system will collapse in that line. Uh, somebody will want to buy something that doesn't exist in the store and it takes 45 minutes. It is my curse. On more than one occasion, 
I've wanted to pay for someone's groceries. Now, not because I'm so kind and generous, but because it's taking them too long to use the credit card machine, right? It, it's almost like a hostage negotiation. Like if you would just back away from the, I'll pay whatever you need, however much, if you'll just move on quickly. I'm, I'm being honest here, right? That I am not very patient. Don't look at me like that. You're, some of you are that way too. I see your judgment, right? But I'm not patient and we live in a world, right? We live in a world that's careening through life as fast as it can. As fast as it can. But what's fascinating here in these words, be patient, this is not just an arbitrary reminder. Yeah, we need to be patient. I need to be patient in the grocery store. I need to be patient when I drive. I went there. Yeah, yeah, when I drive, right? But, but James is being really specific here, and I think it's important for us to understand the context. A call to patience in general is important, but, but this is a call, a command to be patient in suffering. This is not, um, oh, poor Adrian in the grocery store line, be patient. No, no, no. This is, this is people being mistreated. This is people experiencing they're being treated unjustly. That they're... There are things that are happening to them, and it's not right, and it's not fair. And the message is be patient. Even then, be patient. Someone uh, once said that patience is the calm acceptance, that things can happen in a different order than you have in your own mind. I like that. I like that definition. A calm acceptance that things can happen in a different order than you have in your mind. I, I know people in this church right now, right now they're waiting for God to act, and they've been waiting a long time, a long time. They believe he will work, but, but when? I don't know, and, and they don't either. They believe that what they're asking him to do is it's his will. So why is he taking so long? If that's you, James is riding with, with you in mind. And next, James gives us a picture, as he so often does, if you've been in this series. You know, James, he likes to tell us things, but he likes to show us things. And, and for uh, people like that, uh, look as he continues on in verse 7. He says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. Farmers don't plant seeds and expect instant crops. In some ways, they're professional, professionals when it comes to this idea of patience, right? Because they have to wait. That's the visual here that James has given us. And in Palestine, again, the context, those that are receiving these words in Palestine, uh, the growth of the crops was particularly dependent on seasons of rain, on rain that came in the late autumn and early spring. And so, uh, so the, the visual here that James's audience would have understood, they would have understood this analogy of farmers having to wait Wait for the seasonal rain to come so their crops can flourish. Imagine, imagine that you have a garden at home and you're really proud of it. Some of you are like that, I get it. And let's say you, you plant corn. I don't know what you like to plant, but let's say you plant corn. Do you do that in your garden? I don't know. Uh, but let's say you do. You plant corn and three days later you go out and, look, and you're ready. You've got your whole meal prepared and you're ready for some fresh corn. But after three days you see nothing but dirt. Now, you've watered it. There's been some sunshine. And so, so what do you do? You start weeping and wailing before the Lord. Oh, Lord, I need corn. I desperately need corn. Why are you depriving me of corn? Right? James is saying our impatience with God is kind of like that. It's kind of like that. And now he, he, he re reemphasizes in verse 8. So, so you too, just like the farmer, right? Just like the farmer that has to wait for the crops to, to yield 
in season. You too, verse 8 says, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Uh, Verse 8 for me is the verse in this passage. If you're going to highlight one, if you're going to circle back, if you uh, I invite you to spend some time kind of meditating on God's word this week. Verse 8 would be the one because I think it really encapsulates everything that James is trying to say in this section. We've talked a little bit about this idea of be patient, but now he introduces this idea of stand firm. Stand firm. It means literally to strengthen your hearts. And you would think, you would think that these terms would be backwards. You would think, in maybe my logical way of thinking, that he would say first stand firm, then be patient. But that's, that's not the order. You would think it would say stand firm, right? Kind of like stand firm and stand a long time. Stand firm and then be patient. Uh, sink your feet in, be ready to stand, and be patient because you're going to be there a while. But that's not, that's not what James is saying. He leads with this idea of patience. In essence, what he's saying is this. Don't give up. And as you are enduring, encourage yourselves, strengthen your hearts. It's like he's saying, let your patience strengthen you. Let your patience be the source of strength in the suffering that you're experiencing. That's what he's saying. And why, 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 don't miss, this is not a throwaway line, because the Lord's coming is near. Your patience, your strength is sourced by the God who is coming back. You're not alone in your suffering, is what James is saying. To know that and to understand that is to understand who God is. It's to understand his character. He's a God who came to be with us. We just celebrated the Advent, the Christmas season. And what is that a celebration of? We serve a God who came to be with us. He didn't just love us from a distance, from up there in the cosmos, and was like, hey, I love you, I love you. No, no, he, he showed us his love by sending his son, by coming to be God with us, Emmanuel. Then what? he came to die for us. We're getting ready to enter into a season of Lent. And as much as Advent prepares us for Christmas, Lent prepares us for Easter. It's a season we value so much that we don't want to just enter into it haphazardly. We want to prepare our hearts for remembering that God, he's a God that came to be with us, but he came to die for us, to take our place. And then he rose again, right? Conquering death and he ascended into heaven. But in doing so, he gave us a gift. Jesus actually said, it's better for me, it's better for me to go away so that I could send you my my spirit, my presence. That's a gift. And this spirit empowers us to not give up, to be patient. It empowers us to, it strengthens our hearts. But his spirit, don't, don't miss this, his spirit's also a deposit. A deposit. A deposit of what? That, that he is coming back. So, James is saying you cannot separate these ideas. You can't separate the call to be patient and stand firm with this idea that the Lord is coming back and he's God with us and he gives us his spirit, but his spirit is is the one that's strengthening us. It is the one that's giving us the incredible ability to be patient, but his spirit is also a reminder he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back so, so we can be patient and we can stand firm. There is a day coming. There is a day coming when suffering will cease. That's what James is saying. Finally, he goes on, verse 9, don't grumble against one another. 
brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. Isn't it interesting that when we're suffering, we start to grumble. We start to grumble against the Lord. We start to grumble against one another. James would say, don't grumble. Don't grumble in your suffering. Uh, the judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. James plays the Job card here. And if you're familiar at all with the Old Testament, that hurts a little bit. Because if Job can endure all that he endured, James is saying, you can. You can endure the suffering that you're going through. And do you know how Job ends? We won't go through that whole story today. But do you know how Job ends? Again, he's kind of the model, the example of suffering and pain. And, and God, where are you in the midst of my difficulty? But do you know how Job ends? Job finally experienced the promise of the Lord, and you know what? He ended up with more than he started with. He, he ended up with more than he began. James is pointing believers to the return of Christ, and, and so did Jesus. So did Jesus. In Matthew 24, in Matthew 24, Jesus points points to this moment of return, points to the end, the end times, right? And this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24. At that time, what time? The end time, the moment that's coming, right? When, when, when Christ will return. At that time, Jesus said, many, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. This is Jesus talking. Don't miss this promise in verse 13. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Jesus was promising that as the end draws near, there would be struggle and there would be chaos and there would be a lack of faith there would be deception, there would be an increase of wickedness, but the one who stands firm, the one who's patient even in the suffering, that's the one. That's the one that will be saved. So what does that mean for us today? Well, <laughs> look around. We don't know when the end is, do we? We don't know the day and the time. Jesus actually said that, you won't know. You won't know the day, you won't know the exact time, but we know that he will, that he will return, even though we don't know when. And there's a lot of time, and look, you can find books and speakers and a lot of people that spent energy and time trying to determine when that moment will come. And that's all well and good, but, but I understand scripture to simply say this, he's coming back. He's coming back. And we are closer today than we've ever been. Are we living in the end times? I don't know the answer to that, but I know that we're closer to the return of Jesus Christ than we have ever been in human history, than we've ever been in our lives. It's undeniable. That's undeniable. And if you haven't already seen clear connections, I, I don't believe we have to look far to apply James 5, these truths from this portion of scripture to our lives right now. And so here's what I wanna do. Uh, to provide some practical application. I want to I close today with two truths. 
And I'm going to frame it this way. I want to talk to you about one stop and one start. I think that's something we can all remember and relate to. I think as we apply these truths, these words about being patient in suffering to our lives, I want to challenge you today uh, as the Lord's been challenging me. One stop and one start. So let's begin with the stop, right? Number one is this. I want to challenge us, church. Stop being surprised. Stop being surprised. In many ways, in many ways, this is the theme of James' book. If you've been hanging out with us or you've been listening along or you've been following along throughout the series and you were to summarize, what, what is James saying time and time again? He's really saying this. Don't be surprised by the trials you're experiencing. Don't be surprised by suffering in your life. Don't be surprised that it is a little chaotic around you. Now, James is speaking 2,000 years ago, but we look around today and we're like, yeah, okay, I resonate with that. I feel the disruption. I see it. I'm experiencing chaos in my own life because of relationships or disruption or other things. Remember, James begins his letter 20 week, however many weeks ago when we started. Chapter 1, verse 2. What did he say? He said, consider it joy when you face trials. Not if. When, James says. Meaning you will face trials. You will face trials. And as many ways as we read these words in James 5, we hear the same message. You will. You will face hardship. Followers of Jesus will face hardship. Jesus promised it. He promised it. That's not a promise we like to claim very often, is it? But he promised that the closer we get to his coming, trouble's going to come. Jesus said this way, in this world you will have trouble. You will. And yet it surprises us, doesn't it? Surprises me. Every week, I start my week, ah, it's gonna end, something happens. And I'm shocked and I'm surprised at the challenges I'm facing. I'm shocked and surprised by the chaos in our world. I'm shocked by the disruption, how thrown off I feel in my life. I, I don't know about you, I spend a lot of time and energy complaining and whining about the hard things happening to me and around me. A lot of time. It's not fun. I get it, right? But but feels discouraging. So we start grumbling. James talks about that, right? We, we grumble to God. We grumble to each other. We grumble about one another. And maybe you have some warped theology. Maybe you have some, some misunderstanding of what God's word. Maybe you believed that, that if you put your faith in God, it meant health and wealth. That you'd never have a hard day. Everything would be good and smooth sailing for you. That nothing bad can happen to you if you just have enough faith. But I'm here to tell you, church, that's a lie. That's a lie. You can't read through five chapters of James and believe in a theology like that. You can't find, you can't find any New Testament example of a follower of Jesus who didn't face hardship. Think about that for a minute. You can't find a single one. But the enemy, what does he want to do? The enemy that, that hates you and wants to steal, kill, and destroy, he wants us to, to miss that. He wants us to believe and be constantly thrown off any time hard troubles come into our life. But I believe this is the truth we must hear, as hard as it is to hear. Stop being surprised. Stop being surprised. Stop when, when hard things are happening to you. Stop watching everything happening and being so shocked 
I get it's disorienting at times, right? But, but stop letting the enemy whisper his lies into your ears. This side of eternity, we live in a very broken world and we will experience hard things. That's not a truth that feels exciting, but it's an important truth we need to hear. But listen, we aren't without hope. The good news is, we already said this, that God is with us in the hardship. It's not a coincidence that James ends this passage with these words. It's not a throwaway line. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He's talking to people that are suffering. He's talking to people. They've watched family members murdered. They've been exiled from their homes. They've lost everything. He's talking to them and he reminds them, even in the suffering, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He is with us. He is faithful. So I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Stop being surprised. If nothing else, it changes your mindset. If nothing else, there's hours of energy and anxiety that you won't waste in these coming days. But because you're constantly surprised, don't be surprised, Jesus would say. But then what what can we, if we stop doing that, then what can we start doing? Start standing firm. Start standing firm. This is This is the the challenge, the promise from James 5. See, once we stop being so surprised all the time, once we stop being thrown off every time circumstances in our life, and look, I get it's disrupting, right, disruption. But once we stop being surprised and once we start asking God to, to make his presence known, we can focus on what is so critical, and that's this idea of standing firm. Can I be honest? My posture in the midst of trial is often run and hide. (laughs) Get out of here. Ah, I'm overwhelmed, right? That's my posture. My posture is not stand firm. My posture is like fetal position on the floor. That's my posture in the midst of trial. But, But that's not the challenge that James gives these believers whose world is being rocked. It's hard, right? It's tiring. We feel like we can't do it any longer. But that's the beauty here. The focus is not really on our strength, but his. Our focus is really not about our current circumstances or our current storm, but rather on his future return. That's the message of James 5. That's what gives us incredible strength to stand firm because the Lord is coming back. He's coming for you. We stand firm because our eyes are fixed on him. We stand firm. Yes, we practice incredible patience because his promises are true. We can stand even in with the storm raging all around us because his spirit is with us. He's given us strength. He's walking with us. And this is not the end. This. Remind yourself that today. Remind yourself that this week. This is not all there is. This is not the end of the story. This is not, this is not all there is. I wonder uh, what it looks like for you today to stand in the trial that you're facing, to stand, to experience the patience that only comes from his power and his strength at work in you. The patience that only comes from shifting your perspective where, where we're no longer surprised by the things, but instead we find incredible strength from his power and his presence with us, even in the storm. Maybe today your, your marriage is a mess. 
feels a lot easier to run. It, it feels a lot easier to everyone stay in your corner, right? To leave, to give up, but instead you, you stand. You don't give up. You don't ignore what's wrong, but, but you stand. You remember who the enemy is and who it's not, and the enemy's not him, and the enemy's not her. So with his strength, you stand. Maybe your past month, your past year, but maybe your past month, your past week feels like grief and pain and loss and disappointment, and your heart is broken and you want to give up. But instead, you stand. You hear the Lord saying, be patient. Stand firm in my strength, even in your pain, and you stand. This morning, we, we have an opportunity. Um, we have an opportunity to celebrate and, and remember and receive a, a sacrament, and that's a pretty big word, but uh, for us in the Church of Nazarene, communion is a means of grace. It's not something that we just do like, oh, we, we did communion, let's check off that box, right? We believe that uh, what we're about to participate in is, is, is sacred, that it's a, it's a means of grace. It's a reminder of the grace that we've received in Christ. In, in just a minute, everyone is going to be invited to the table. You don't have to be a member of our church. You just have to desire to be in right relationship with God. And anyone and everyone is welcome to come. And, and some of us will take our elements back to our seats and, and sit and have a quiet moment of prayer. Some may want to kneel at an altar. Some may want to gather together as family or friends and receive the elements together. We're going to do that in just a minute. We're going to be reminded, we're going to be reminded, what is communion? It's, it's the sacrament, the, the, the symbol of his body and blood, that the, the bread represents his body that was broken for you and for me. His blood was shed, not just for believers 2,000 years ago that James was writing to, his blood was shed for you and for me so that we would never be without hope. So there would be nothing happening in our lives today that would be bigger because, man, he, he gave it all for me. He took my place. And so in just a minute, we're all going to be invited to come. But I want to ask you now, if you would, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me because we're going to pray. And we're going to respond. Uh, we're going to respond to the word of the Lord. We're not going to respond to me. I pray and hope and believe that today we hear God's, God's word, not my words. So, so with your head bowed today, and just you and the Lord, right? Just, just talking to him, just listening to him. Maybe you've never heard his voice before, but I would encourage you, just make space, make time. Turn, turn down the noise this morning. We've allowed this time and this space so that he can speak to you. The God who created you wants to speak to you. He's here. He's, he's with us. He wants his spirit to, to live inside of you so you never walk alone. You never have to wonder, is God with me? Today, I just have on my heart um, a person. I, I believe there's at least one in the room. Actually, I believe there's more. And today, you're in the midst of a, an overwhelming overwhelming trial you're exhausted you're afraid you're overwhelmed you're discouraged maybe it's the last year of your life has just felt like another wave after wave after wave 
It's just too much. Maybe some things have happened this week and you came in this morning, your, your heart is heavy. You're discouraged. Maybe you've been beat up one too many times by the enemy trying to convince you that because hard things are happening in your life, you just didn't have enough faith. You weren't a good enough Christian. If that's you today, I'm gonna invite you just right where you're at in your seat. We've heard the word of the Lord today. We've heard the call, the command to be patient. We've heard the call to stand. And if that's you today, and you're resonating with these words, you're wrestling with these words today, but you desire to respond to God's word, I'm gonna invite you to stand right where you are. Not all of us need to do that today, but some of us do. The one who's in a trial right now, the one who feels broken, the one who feels overwhelmed, the one who is tempted to give up, is tempted to not be patient in the trial, but try to figure it out. If that's you today, would you just have the courage to stand? That's what we've read about today. That's what the word of the Lord calls us to stand. And, and maybe in faith right now, you're going to say, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand firm, not in my strength. This is not about me fixing it. This is not about me being stronger. This is about me relying on the strength of God. If that's you, would you stand? In the midst of your trial, if you're saying, I'm relying on his power and his strength in me, would you stand? Would you would you just outwardly express the posture of your heart? If there's anyone else, there's no rush today. If you sense the Lord inviting you to stand, you're not gonna give up. You're not gonna back down. You're not gonna run and hide. You're not gonna cower in fear. You're gonna stand on his strength and his power. God, I pray for, for each and every one standing. I pray our brothers and sisters watching us online, some of them right now, they're standing. And we're, we don't do that for man's approval. Sometimes, Lord, we gotta respond. We gotta outwardly respond to what you're speaking in our hearts. And today, I, I stand with my brothers and sisters today across this room. I pray they would sense your presence in the midst of their trial in the midst of their burden, in the midst of the storm. As we continue to pray, church, I'm just gonna invite those that are standing, I'm gonna invite you to come to the table first. <laughs> you can just make your way, just say, excuse me, you know, move around the person that's praying next to you. I'm gonna invite you, if you're standing right now, we're all gonna come to the table in a minute, but, but I want you to be first. I want you to be first to, to experience the means of grace. I want you to come and, and be first. You know, sometimes with family, we fight, who gets to go first? Well, today you get to go first because you're, you're in a trial and you need to be reminded that his grace is sufficient for you. So if you're standing now, would you just come to the table? Don't wait, come. Receive the elements, receive his body that was broken for you. Receive his blood, it was shed for you. You don't stand alone today and you don't stand in your strength. The God who loved you, he took a stand, the ultimate stand for you so you can stand. You can stand. Even in a moment of pain even in a moment of weakness. I'm gonna invite the rest of the church family. Would you just stand to your feet if you're able? God, we're gonna enter now into a time of prayer, into a time of listening. 
there's no rush. We've set aside some time that, that we can respond. We can come to the table. We can kneel. We can pray. We can listen. Thank you for your presence. That's really what James 5 is reminding us. You're present in the storm so we can stand. You're present in the trial so we can stand. Thank you for your presence. And now as we come to the table, we receive your grace. A reminder of your presence here and now among us. Church family, we're going to sing. We're going to pray. You're invited whenever you're ready to come to the table and receive grace today. Grace that we desperately need. Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and email us at info at cotnaz.org.